Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if we are live or if we're not based on the back screen here that I don't see. And uh, good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, praise the Lord, even if there's only two or three, we're gathered in His name. And if you're there out on the internet, we want to welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that there's probably hundreds of connections tonight. And we've come to worship the Lord, we've come to hear His Word, we've come to rejoice in His presence. His presence not only here, but wherever you are. You know, I was uh, I was thinking about uh, many that are on the U.S. side of the border right now and how that, you know, they're not able to cross over even if we could have services gathered in their homes and I have family over there, Abigail and and Jeremy and and want to send them greetings. They're no doubt streaming tonight. And uh, God bless you. Good to see you. Uh, good to not see you, but good to have you streaming. Good for you to see me. Boy, this is sure different, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Well, um, one day we'll shake one another's hands. You know, it, when we think about when the restrictions are lifted and we gather back together, what a rejoicing that'll be right here in the church. How much greater rejoicing it's going to be on the other side. That's going to be a glorious time. Amen. So uh, I think I don't think we'll do any singing, Brother Ben, before the service. Thank you for playing the piano. Uh, I really am not a soloist, and so uh, we'll just turn to the Word. If you have your Bibles there, we're going to turn tonight to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27, while you're turning there, I just want to make a couple of mentions for you. Um, we've, we have uh, done some work and are doing some work on the web page so that uh, you can have uh, every day that you come to a service, that whether it be a Wednesday or a Sunday service, there will be a updated missions article. So there'll be a new missions article at least every service we trust going forward. And you can view the latest one there is from India. And you can view that either before the service, after the service, uh, give you some feedback or any other day, give you some good uh, uh, understanding of what's going on in the missions field, even though around the world is being shut down. And the... the uh, the gatherings, the churches are closed. Even in Uganda lately, they've, they've banned the use of private vehicles now. So you can't even drive your own car or anything like that. Everybody has to stay home. And the brothers have said it won't be long if they don't do something till the people start to starve because it's very, very uh, uh, mediocre economic conditions. Pray for them over there. Uh, we just landed 10,000 church age books just before the shutdown happened. And so many of those went out to the people. And so we're rejoicing that they're able to feed on those at this time. We also are starting a missions podcast. And that's available, the uh, Believer's Faith Challenge podcast, uh, Faith Challenge Report podcast. If you look for it on the Apple uh, podcast, it'd be under Faith Challenge Report. and uh, But you'll also find a link in the latest article. And so you'll find many things to uh, look at there, to pray about, to pray for one another, pray for what God's doing in this day. Amen. Let's, let's take our Bibles then and turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. 
And uh, this is the scripture that Brother Branham used uh, for the message, the rapture. And many of you are aware of that, I'm sure. And uh, But there's many things that are in here that pertain to the hour that we're living in. And so let's let's just, before we read, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you have a need, why don't you just hold that before God? We don't have any prayer requests here this evening, but uh, we know of several needs. And and uh, if you have are one of those people that is needing something from God, why don't you say, Lord, come by my way tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. We are gathered, Lord, because we believe that it's of benefit to gather in this age. The end time, O oh God, though we are, might not be able to be gathered in person because of the restrictions of the pandemic that's going around the world, but we are gathered in spirit. We are gathered in one mind. We are gathered in one accord. We are gathered to hear your word. We are gathered to let the Holy Spirit have his way in our lives. We're desiring, Lord, not to hear from a speaker tonight. We're desiring to hear from the living God. Lord, that you will come and anoint your word afresh. That you'll take complete control. Help us, Lord, to get our nerves out of the way. Help us, Lord, to get our distractions out of the way. Many will be gathered in their homes tonight, the little children, the, the families, Lord, the moms, the dads, the, the single brothers and sisters, Lord. We pray, Lord, wherever they are gathered in your name, that your mighty presence would descend upon them there. And Lord, may you come tonight in power and in demonstration, as you are not limited to just one little room. Lord, wherever we are, we know your angel is in camped around those that fear you. And Lord, we commit this service now to you. Anoint your word. Anoint our thoughts together. Anoint, Lord, as we enter into the mind of Christ, that, Lord, you might discern our needs and that you might minister to those needs. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Psalms chapter 27, and we'll begin at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now... Shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me? Therefore I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. David crying out here, no matter if his enemies... 
encompass him no matter what happens, no matter what takes place. He'll lift up his head and rejoice in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're gathered together and I was, I, I was pondering the thought of gathering together in many different locations through the medium of the internet. And you know how Brother Branham, even in 1965, and he, he, he's in a meeting with uh, full gospel businessmen in Phoenix, Arizona, and he says, distance is no difference to God. He says, he's omnipresent. He has to be God. He has to be to be God. Some of the greatest things that I've known of being done in my own humble ministry is by telephone. Someone calling in. Great things taking place. Let us agree together that God will heal this people that's sick. So he's got a request. They're not present. And he's just saying, even though they're not here, God's omnipresent. And then he prays. He says, Dear Heavenly Father, we bring them into your presence by prayer. We know that one night there was an apostle that was shut off from all activity then. He was in jail. He was going to be beheaded the next day. And down at John Mark's house, they had a prayer meeting. See, down at somebody's house, they had a prayer meeting. He says, and right in those inner cells there came the same pillar of fire that followed the children of Israel. Or the children of Israel followed it through the wilderness. He says, came right in because of that prayer meeting and opened every door and brought the apostle out into the streets again, free to minister. Amen. I believe God's able to hear our cry. I believe God's able to set us free from these constraints and to bring us, as it were, out into the streets again, able to minister. In another place, Brother Branham's ministering in God of this evil age, also in 1965. And he's, he's preaching, he, he's touching about the God of this evil age. He says, he says, uh, he talks about women cutting their hair. And he says, now somebody says, cutting hair, what's that got to do with it? And then he says, brother, let's stop here just a minute. I just feel somebody resented that. Might have been out on the wire somewhere. So my, here's even a prophet of God saying, I could feel what somebody in another location that was resenting that. Well, we don't want to feel resentment tonight, but we want to feel the pull of the Word of God. Amen. Coming from every location that's streaming and, and enjoying the Word of God. Amen. We want to enjoy it with all of our hearts tonight. Amen. The power of the resurrection is near to every individual. The angel of the Lord is encamped around about those that fear us. Heaven is just as close to you in your home as it is to me in this pulpit. As it is to the couple of people we have in the pews here. One of the times uh, a scribe came to Jesus and and uh, he asked him a question and said, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus says, The first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second name is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul 
and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself, he says, is more than the whole of burnt offerings and sacrifices. Then says, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. And so then, now I want you to notice now the most important thing that could happen right now is not that we're streaming or not that we're in church on Wednesday night. The most important thing is that we are near to the kingdom of God. And that God would visit us wherever we are gathered because it was this scribe's attitude towards the word that drew him close to the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus saw that he had the right approach. He had the right attitude. And remember, Brother Branham says in many places, but I'll read it in a couple of places. He says, may I go on record just now saying this, that I believe that the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. He says, if you can take the right attitude towards the promise, for Jesus said the word of God was a seed that a man sowed. And he was the man that sowed it. And then if the word of God is a seed and the seed's put in proper condition in a heart full of faith, it'll make the promise live. Amen. It'll bring forth what it is promised. The right attitude, the right mental attitude, he says, towards any divine promise. He says in another place, in 1959, he says, if you'll just simply say it's God's word, it's not for me to try and figure it out. That's God's business. He spoke it. That's all that's necessary. He says something will take place. Amen. So it's not a matter of trying to or being able to put it all together. But when the word strikes you and you say that's God's word and you hold to it by faith, it must materialize in your life because it's a seed that is received in the right ground. Amen. It's got to bring forth after its kind. And so we recognize that always the spoken word of God is a seed. And so now our attitude, as I speak tonight on the attitude, the, the fear no evil attitude is my subject. As David says that I, it, God is my strength, I will not fear. And he, he talks about it in different places which we'll refer to, but our attitude is not based upon just some reckless faith that just thinks that nothing bad can happen to us. You know, we're living in an age where lots of bad things are happening. And maybe the current condition is more than anybody expected. But, you know, the right attitude is when bad things are happening, that we hold our faith in the Word of God no matter what is happening around us. That's the correct attitude. Because attitude creates atmosphere. It's the thing that you think on, the things that you do that create the atmosphere around about you. Faith in the truth frees the believer from bondage that the unbeliever is living in. Because Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so we recognize then that we have to have this right attitude toward the promise of God. It gives us a liberty in the age that we're living in. It gives us the right... Uh, the right approach, the right strength in our step. As David said, the Lord is my strength. I will not fear. And, and so we have this, uh, this approach to the truth because we have had the truth deposited in our lives. 
And I want to say tonight, if God has deposited his truth in your life, you are a blessed person. Truth or revelation is sovereignly given of God. It's not something that you figured out, but God gave it to you. And whatever God has given to you, hold to it with all of your strength. You know, in Romans chapter 8, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together with Him. Amen. So we realize we're not subject to a spirit of bondage. We're not subject to a spirit that would say, uh, you know, uh, that would bring us into an attitude of fear. I was studying this, this uh, subject of fear this last week as I was seeing the attitude of the world and uh, how people are very much caught up in fear. And I began to think about how much the devil uses fear. And uh, I'll get maybe more into that, but we have to be careful and hold to our right attitude as a believer because... Even as Brother Branham says in many places, he says, wherever Jesus came, he always started with fear not. And, uh, you know, it's, and in, in the Smyrnian church age, uh, he just, he, he takes up that thought of fear not. I won't go into all of it, but he says, we are not to fear. His love casts out all fear. Amen. John says in 1 John chapter 4, he says, there is no fear in love. That's a good spot to pause. How much fear is in love? There is no fear in love. Amen. There is, there is no fear. He says, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear has torment. Now we know the devil is a tormentor. And so the devil uses fear and really by circumstances and many times I was going to get into this later on, but I feel like I'm just going to get into it right now. Many times there's things happen in our lives, things that are not good things, things that are evil things, things that the devil has done to us. Maybe we came from a a background that was in the world or our upbringing wasn't very good or something happened to us in a certain situation and and we end up, uh, you know, that tries to cling on to us. And many are the cases that Brother Branham discerned as, as he identified a person's complex that was developed because of a situation. Now the situation, whether it be a hurt, whether it be psychological, whether it be physical, does not actually hold to your life. But what the devil wants to do is create a situation that will create fear. Because if he can create fear, he can move in that. Because fear has torment and that's the channel through which the devil operates. The devil operates through fear, but God operates through love. So if we can walk completely in God's love, that drives out all fear. So when we realize, when we find ourselves fearing, when we find ourselves, uh, uh, 
worried about something and it's not just necessarily the events of the hour right now. It might be something in our past. It might be a complex. All you need is to get deeper into the Word of God until you can see nothing but the love of God in your life. And then when you see that, that will drive out all fear that the devil has tried to sow in our lives from different circumstances. And I wanted to emphasize that. You know, the devil doesn't care whether you live or die. The devil doesn't care whether you're sick or not sick. You might say, well, the devil wants me to be sick. But what the devil really wants is you to be scared. He wants you to fear because if he can get you to fear, he can operate through that. And he can move you to do things that you ought not to do. All right, let's let's go a little bit further than that. Second Timothy chapter 1 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's very important in this hour. Sound mind is a rare commodity. And so the, the, he says we, he's given us not the spirit of fear, but a spirit. Now he doesn't just say of love, but he says of power and of a sound mind. Because the greatest power there is, is divine love. And so that, that brings us into our right channel of thinking if we can keep the right attitude towards the divine promises. All right. Hebrews chapter 2, it says, for as much, in verse 14 says, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, and that is the devil. Now, Paul is establishing the deity of Jesus Christ here in the book of Hebrews to the Jews. And so he's saying, he took on flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now notice the next statement here, verse 15. He says, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All right? So there's a fear of death that brings into bondage. When you come into Jesus Christ, the fear of death leaves. As Jesus said, whosoever believes on me shall never die, but has come into eternal life or everlasting life. And so they that are quickened by the word of God, born again by the spirit of God, they are those that will never die. And so because we'll never die, you say, well, well, don't we, don't people, don't we bury believers? Yes, that's just the body, but they cross from this realm to another realm. They leave here and step into another body. The Bible says we have another body eternal in the heavens. All right. So, so the t- to come into Christ, as Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the truth is not for everybody. You know, as Jesus said, it's not given to them to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. But your blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. It's given to you to know the truth, that by the truth you will be free. You'll not be brought into bondage by the tactics or the power of the enemy. The enemy has power of death by that to bring people into bondage because they're scared to die. But we're not scared to die. 
I hope you can say amen to that tonight. Now, I'm not scared to die. If it's my day, I was, I was reading what, what Luther said about the plague in his day. And he said, you know, he says, I don't want to be the cause of anybody's death. He says, but neither do I want to be scared of it. He says, I don't want to be walking in fear. He says, because God knows whether it's my time to go. He knows how to find me. It doesn't have to be by a plague. It doesn't have to be by a sickness. I will go at my time. See, Luther was not walking in fear. He was walking in the love of God. Amen. So we find these great things in the Scripture that that show us where we're standing in this hour. Brother Branham, it says in 1955, message called, Way to Have Fellowship. Oh, I hope these things are wonderful for you. They're sure wonderful for me. He says, if you wasn't afraid tonight, why you would take your healing by faith and know that God promised it and the thing would just go plumb away from you. I want you to notice that now. He, t- he takes fear as the opposite of faith. He says, if you're fearful, if you're afraid to take God at his word, if you wasn't afraid, he says, you just take your healing by faith and know that God promised it. And the thing would just go plumb away from you. I've, I've, I've seen emails in the last week. I've seen texts in the last week of people that, that are troubled by their circumstances. And if you're watching tonight, I want to assure you the promise of God is by his stripes you're healed. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry about what the doctor says. How many times has Brother Branham under discernment said, you know, the doctor said this or the doctor said that, but, but the devil's hiding from him or, or that's not the truth or, you know, God has made you well. Amen. It's the promise of God and our attitude towards that promise. He says, he says, that's the reason, same quote, that's the reason I'm such a believer in healing. I know that if you can get away from that scare and get love in its place, something's going to happen. Hallelujah. There, there it is. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not something that, that we try to have to figure out all the quotes on divine healing and have quote books on healing and all this kind of, no, just get the scare away. He says, and just get love in its place. He says, something's going to happen. He says, there's only two faculties that govern a human. One of them is faith, which brings results, and the other is fear, which has no value in it at all. Faith is of God, fear is of the devil. Fear makes you weary. Fear makes you wander. And if I'm going to, if I was going to die in the morning, what good would it do me to get all stewed up about it? What if I was going to be electrocuted in the morning and my life had to end tomorrow morning? What good would it do for me to worry about it? Amen. You know, I can imagine when Jesus was hanging on the cross and the two, the two, uh, thieves were there and they were struggling against death. Why were they struggling? Jesus didn't struggle. Jesus gave himself to death. He wasn't scared of death, but they were scared of death. And as they were there on the cross, I can imagine that the one thief that recognized who Jesus was and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. I can well imagine that a great peace came over that thief. Even though he knew he was going to die. 
As he's hanging there on that cross, his hands nailed and his feet nailed and he's, he's suffering. And really they suffer asphyxiation on the cross. They don't bleed to death, but they just hang there until finally they, the body just can't handle it anymore and they suffocate. And as he's dying there, what a peace. I'm not scared of death anymore. Hallelujah. A minute ago he was struggling, but now he's not struggling. All the fear has left and all the devils going, oh, we lost another one. We had him, not by death, but by fear. Amen. David says in Psalms 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. So he says, though I walk, and Brother Bradham explains this, he says, the valley of the shadow of death. He's not talking about a man that's dying. He's talking about the life that we live every day. This is a valley of shadows. It's shadowed because of death. And we all walk through these things. But David says, as I walk through life, and I see bad things happening all around me, I will not fear, because you are with me. Amen. What a great attitude to have. You know, we, we, we have to recognize how the devil works, because when the devil is exposed, he's powerless. Let me just, let me just, uh, if it's all right with everyone on the internet, I'll just read a few quotes right now. I didn't hear any objections. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Brother Brown says in one place, he says, so don't fear. Fear is of the devil. Everything Jesus would say, fear not. Fear not. Constantly fear not. Fear not. Is that right? Fear not. God doesn't want you to fear. He wants you to believe. All right. Another place, 1952, he says, and though the, and through the services this week, I love this quote. He says, trying to show people that there's no need of being scared. All right. So he's trying to identify, listen, that's, that's the whole battle in healing. That's the whole battle in every struggle that we have is getting rid of the fear. He says, trying to show people that there's no need of being scared. The worst thing the devil can put upon you is fear. Oh, I thought he was going to say cancer. Or I thought he was going to say tuberculosis or, or leukemia or, no, the worst thing he can put on you is fear. He says, he says, uh, if you even had a cancer and didn't fear and believed God would heal you, you wouldn't be in too bad a shape. God take care of that. If you were sick, whatever it is, and you didn't fear. So fear is one of the worst things that Satan can place upon the person. And now I've tried to prove by the scripture that the man that's born again of the kingdom of God has nothing to fear. You're absolutely safely secure in Jesus Christ. Amen. Another place he says, the devil hates me. And I know he hates you too. He says, he's my enemy. But as long as God's my friend, I have no fear of him. Amen. These are good statements here. 
Hallelujah. One, one place, 1954, he's saying, Jesus Christ, no matter if he was in a storm and the gales knocking the boat from one side to the other, or he's standing in the face of a mess of demons, if he was hanging anywhere, it never moved him. He walked right along, just as calm and quiet as he could be. Why? He was simply unconscious of fear. He was simply unconscious of fear. Wouldn't you want to be in that condition? Let this mind that was in Jesus Christ be in you. He was unconscious of fear. Fear was a foreign commodity to Jesus Christ. It was something that he wasn't conscious of. Fear, what is fear? Oh my, wouldn't that be wonderful to have that? Just to go through life and, and feel like, oh, I, I'm not scared of anything. As long as you're walking in the will of God, you got not, absolutely nothing to be scared of. Amen. So, so we have to realize that that's really what we're struggling against is what humanity has struggled with all along is fear. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. I'm just sowing these seeds in there to just help you and just expose the devil. And he says, Charles Spurgeon said, The worst evils of life are those which do not exist except in our imagination. I'll let that one sink in for a moment while you ponder those words. The worst evils of life are those which don't exist except in our imagination. If we had no troubles but real troubles, we should not have a tenth of our present sorrows. So he's saying if the only troubles we had were actual real troubles, not imagined troubles, not worried about troubles, not things that we're concerned about that actually are never going to happen. He says if the only thing that we had were real troubles, we'd have a tenth of the sorrows we couldn't, we currently have. Amen. That's humanity. He says we feel a thousand deaths in fearing one. But the psalmist, speaking of David here in the scripture, was cured of the disease of fearing. I will fear no evil, David said. Amen. I will fear no evil. And so we read the scripture in Psalms chapter 27. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He says in verse 3, Though a host encamp around about me, uh, encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me. In this will I be confident. And so David had a confidence. And it was in one thing. In this will I be confident. His confidence really to me spoke of in the next verse. It might not be directly connected to verse 3. But his confidence comes from his inner desire. And in verse 4 it says, One thing... Have I desired of the Lord? Not many things. Not lots of things. But one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. So it's not just been a wish list for David. But he said that's the thing that I put my energy towards. That's the thing that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That was David's heart's desire. No doubt it was, it was part of the reason that God said, this is a man after my own heart. He wants to live where I live. He wants to be in my presence. He wants that above anything else. You know, as he said in another place, I think it's Psalms 20, 27, where he says, you know, when you said, seek after me, my heart said, thy face will I seek. And so, so there is this attitude of David that really in all of my life, the one center, oh, if I could get this into young people, if I could get this into young men and get this into young women, the one thing to hold before you your entire life is to find yourself in the presence of God. Let that be your central desire. There's other things that'll happen. God will bless you in your labors. God will bless you in your family. God will bless you in other places. But let your central desire be like David's desire. This one desire do I have that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David said, this is my confidence. This is the place where I feel secure. This is why I feel unconcerned. We could say this is why he doesn't fear anything. Because his central thing is the right thing. One thing have I desired. One thing. Listen, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be an expert at something, you got to focus on it. You don't become an expert at something by by spending a few minutes on it and then the next day or the next minute moving on to another subject or you know being scattered in your thinking and going everywhere else. You know you you don't uh you don't want to go to a doctor that says you know and you got a skin condition he says, "Yeah, I learned a little bit. I, I think it was in the third year of medical school. I think I I we had a couple weeks on the skin, so I think I can help you." No, you want to go to a skin specialist. Right? If you got cancer, you want to go to a cancer specialist. If you got a heart problem, you want to go to a heart specialist. You know, you don't want some doctor to say, yeah, I watched someone do open heart surgery once. Sure, I can help you. I'll do you open heart surgery. That's not the doctor I want. You know, that's, I'll, I'll say, no, give me somebody that's specialized. You know, I, I personally, I love to ask questions of an expert. Somebody that has spent their life learning of one subject. You know, just, I was talking to a, a person the other day that was in engineering school and they were studying uh, metals and, and meta- metallurgy and different things. And so I was, I was quizzing her on this and that and what she learned about this and what happens if that happens. And, you know, you might make it harder, but how does it become brittle? And, you know, she was surprised that I had all these questions because I hadn't really discovered it myself. But I thought, here's a, a few moments I have with somebody that knows something. And so I'm going to pull the knowledge out of them and, and try and learn something. And I have another friend whose wife is a nurse that has worked for, I don't know, 20, 30 years just with kidneys. And I've always seen the spiritual application of what, of where kidneys is used in the Bible. And so I, I begin to quiz her. I says, now kidneys, don't they control a lot of the aspect of your life as far as your blood levels and different things and the chemistry? And, and I just begin to quiz her and she's going, yeah, yeah, how do you know all this? Cause I had looked a little bit at it, but I wasn't an expert, but I was now in the presence of an expert. Now David had a desire of one thing. If there's one thing I want to know, if you, if you want to go to David, David 
You know, what are you, are you an expert at warfare? No, I, I can fight, but I'm not an expert at warfare. Are you an expert at, at, at building castles or building a temple or, or, or politics? Are you an expert at politics? Well, I've done it, but I'm not really an expert. What are you an expert? He says, one thing have I desired. He says, I've focused my life on this one thing, that I might be in the presence of God. You see, every little aspect of your life, I, I, I read a little bit sometimes about sports because I'm interested in what makes an athlete proficient. And what makes him, how does he learn? It's not just that he's big and strong and muscular, uh, but rather, how does he learn his particular craft? And a lot of times it comes out that it's in the details. You have to work on the details. And so many times, you know, that's as believers, what we don't pay, well, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, uh, I've repented of my sins. I, I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, been filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I, I, I'm going to make it. I'm going to go to heaven. Everything's going to be wonderful, but there's details. If you want to dwell in his presence, there's details. There's a molding process in our life that, that we're changed. The Bible says, as we behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, we're changed into his image from glory to glory. See, that's what every, that's why every saint of old and every, every, uh, wise man and every man of God down through history has desired to look into the full mystery of God. Even seeing the record of the scripture that says, you know, there'll come a time when the mysteries of God are finished. And so all of these men that have had the same desire as David, all of these women that have had the same desire as David has looked at that and say, oh, there'll come a day where there'll be no more secrets for the believer. There'll come a day when there's no more, nothing more hidden from the believer. That's the day we're living in. That's the hour. That's the message that we have received. It's not so much the broad strokes of, oh, you need to believe in Jesus or you need to be baptized in his name and all of those things. That's the basis. That's the foundation. But those that had that in days gone by have wanted more and you are in possession of the more that they have wanted. Their desire is that has been to have what we have. Hallelujah. One thing have I desired, David, my one focus in life. I, I can say personally, that's been my focus in my life, is just to, to know God through this message. I only know one message. I don't have books of this and that. I have books in my library uh, of men of ages gone by. I might read a whole series of of the writings of John Wesley, the journals of John Wesley, and I might only remember two or three things out of there. It's not the life of this hour. But yet in the midst of all that, in my younger years, I studied those historical things. But I can say now that the most important thing to me is to know Him in the revelation of this hour. Is to know Him as He has revealed Himself in our day. He revealed himself in Wesley's day. He revealed himself in Luther's day. He revealed himself in Paul's day. He revealed himself in Moses' day. But I want to know him as he's revealed himself today. This one thing have I desired. I've seen people in this hour look at every idea that goes by and fill their mind with every little thought. I'll tell you what. This message is worth knowing in its entirety. 
There's nothing worth spending your time on like getting into this message. David's desire and his confidence was in that central desire. Now, in the message oneness, Brother Branham says, to be united with him is life. To be separated from him is death. Okay. He says, now if we follow his commandments, he's referring to the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what he's speaking about here. He says, now if we follow his commandments, and then he stops. He says, we know we make mistakes, but you mustn't look on that. It's not your mistakes because you're always going to have them. But you see, it's following his rules. What he said do. Stumble and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. Think of that, Brother Murphy. Stumbling and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. What a glorious statement. He says, a real true servant, if he'll stumble, he'll get up again. If he wobbles, God pulls him right back in the path as long as he's in the path of duty. See, God's obligated to that person as long as they're in the path of duty. In the masterpiece, Brother Branham, he, he, he's in the pulpit and he, and he says, on an interview just a few moments ago, so he was talking to somebody individually, he says, I was speaking to a person in the room that's present now. It said, Brother Branham, I have so many things I know that's wrong. And he says, and a godly little woman. I said, but look, sister, you don't look at yourself. It's just what your desire is and what you try to do. And if you really love the Lord, you try to serve him with all your heart. And then all your mistakes is hid in the blood of the Lord Jesus. See, he made a way. Amen. Mistakes and stumbling doesn't have anything to do with it. It's not that we look for those things and I'll maybe, I'll maybe, uh, refer to it now in another quote. It's not that we ignore those things. It's not that we're, we're satisfied with our mistakes. Rather, we're very unsatisfied with our mistakes. And those are the things that the devil tries to use against us and tries to put fear in our lives because we make a mistake. But Brother Branham, by the word of God, is trying to take the fear out of it because if you take the fear out of the gospel, then love is made perfect. And if love is made perfect, then the power of God is in your life. And that's what the gospel has come to do, is to build us up into the stature of Jesus Christ. Then I'll say, if the gospel came to build us into the stature of Jesus Christ, then Christ was unconscious of fear. Hallelujah. Christ was unconscious of fear. I'm sorry, I paused there for an amen. I was, <laughs> I was expecting just a real loud amen, and I realize there's nobody here. <laughs> just a few of us. But praise the Lord. We're built up into the stature of Jesus Christ. And we have to realize that that's what this molding is all about. It's, it's not coming to the pulpit. And I'll say that even as a preacher. It's not me coming to the pulpit as a preacher telling you how bad your mistakes are. I heard a pro, I just read a prophet say it's not your mistakes that have anything to do with it. He says it's your desire. So rather I'd preach on your, I'd rather preach on your desire than on your mistakes. 
Can you, I hope everybody out there can say amen to that. You know, we, we know as a believer, certainly if you've got the Spirit of Christ in you, and I'll read you a quote here, then you realize that if I make a mistake, it quickly convicts me. Alright? So let me read out of Hebrews chapter 7. And where Brother Brad says, Now, you'll do wrong. This is chapter 7, part 2. He says, Now, you will do wrong, but you won't do it willfully. See, you're trapped. And anything you're trapped into or do something that you don't mean to do it, it's not sin yet. You'll repent the minute that you see that you're wrong. You'll turn quickly and say, I didn't mean, didn't see that. Now, uh, well, maybe I'll just read it the way Brother Brown says I could stop and interject here, but let's just keep reading. It says, you can say that all through life. A man don't want to be. That's the reason that we are so stupid. And in the dark down here on earth, that there's a blood atonement for us all the time to keep us covered because the first mistake we make. And then he breaks off there. He says, now, there's your legalistic idea, legalist idea. Oh, you know what? That woman was sanctified, but bless God, she done wrong. I know she's backslid. Brother Bram says, that's wrong. She's not backslid. She made a mistake. If she did it willfully, then she wasn't right to begin with. Oh my, doesn't this just take the fear out of it? He says, if she didn't mean to do it, and she walks before the holy church of God and confesses and says, I'm wrong and you forgive me. He says, you're duty bound to do it. You don't do it in your heart, then you ought to went to the altar yourself. See, he says, he says, true, there's real holiness in the church. There's genuine holiness. The holiness not of you, but of Christ. Hallelujah. He says, I have no holiness to present to him, but I'm trusting in his, his grace. I have it in my heart. I've unmerited it. Nothing I could do to deserve it. But by grace, he called me and invited me to come. And I press that you all could say amen to that wherever you are. He says, and I looked to him and he took the desire away from me. Then he says, I make thousands of mistakes even each month in each year. Certainly I do. But when I see I'm wrong, I say, God, I didn't mean to do it. You know my heart. I didn't mean to do that. I was trapped into that. I didn't mean it. You forgive me, Lord. If I done wrong to my brother, I say, brother, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Certainly God knows my heart. And there you are. There's a blood sacrifice. There's the power of the gospel. That holy church moving on. Not because of something you done. It's something you had nothing to do with. There's the atonement. Hallelujah. There's the atonement. It's not what we did or didn't do. It's not our mistakes. It's our desire and the life of Christ within us that says, Lord, forgive me. I'm wrong. I didn't mean to do it that way. I made a mistake. I got uh, here, there, deceived. He talks about deception and different things. And so we, we see then, as we come close to a close here, we see that there's a reality in the life of a believer I will fear no evil. There's an attitude. I will fear no evil. 
There's no fear in the life of a believer that says, oh, what if I backslide? Or what, what if I, if I make the, uh, a too great of a mistake? You know, Brother Branham said there's never too great of a mistake. There's never something, if God's dealing with your heart, He says you just need to surrender yourself to God, make it right and move on. Even in the case of Brother Branham talking about one time, he talks about Abraham and Sarah, and how that Abraham lied about his own wife, but she was part of the covenant. God couldn't nullify the covenant. God couldn't turn His back on Abraham and said, well, you made a mistake. This mistake is too much. You lied and said she wasn't even your wife. All right, you left the land that I told you not to leave. You're down there in Egypt. You're down there in Greer, wherever it is. And, and now you shouldn't have done that. I guess you're just on your own. God doesn't do that. He's made a covenant with us. And we are the seed of Abraham by faith. We are recipients of the covenant of blood in Jesus Christ. And because of that, God will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, He's promised to be with us even to the end of the age. And the devil, that's why the devil, he doesn't have any power except one power. Fear. But if we can recognize what God's done for us, it takes all the fear out of it. So David says, The rule of David's life was, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Lord, you're my strength. Whom shall I be afraid? Lord, you're my, you're my conqueror. You're everything. What do I have to fear? Though an enemy be encamped around about me, what do I have to fear? Though I have to walk into a, a ward with everybody breathing coronavirus, what do I have to fear? You're with me. Though I have to go to work, and though I have to go out to the job, though I have to walk down the streets, though I have to go into the supermarket, and, and though I have to do this and do that of my day to day living, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen. And God, He is the one that is protecting us. This one thing have I desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret. Now, notice David. Now, what faith? As I I bring this to a close here. What faith? He says, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Brother Branham takes that as the rapture. We can certainly see events leading us towards a tribulation. You know, I'm not saying this is the tribulation or I'm not saying it's just around the corner. But it certainly is not good out there. And and so we see David says, now in a time of trouble, you'll hide me in the pavilion. And, and Brother Brown takes that as the rapture there. But but then he says in the next verse, and this is the part I, I, I like. He says, in the time of trouble, you'll hide me in the pavilion. And now, not in that time, but now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Amen. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Not then, now. Now I'll talk of joy. Now I'll sing his praises. Because I know the Lord is with me. I will fear no evil. I don't have to worry about anything that the devil has come against my life. It doesn't matter because God's with me. Amen. Romans 8, Paul says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. 
The devil tried to get Brother Branham even to turn his back on God himself. When he lost his daughter, lost his wife, all of those kind of things. You know, uh, that was all very real and very palpable. But in the midst of it all, there was something down on the inside. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There was something that laying there that was a reality from the Word of God. Amen. The, Brother Ben, maybe you'd come. I don't want to sing a solo, but sometimes we have to do it. And, uh, you know, so David, he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In the Patmos vision, maybe, Brother Ben, you could, you could just play, I'm amazed that you love me. I just love that song, just the chorus. In the Patmos vision, Brother Branham says, Don't fear, John. Don't fear, little flock. All that I am, you are heir to. All my power is yours. My omnipotence is yours as I stand in your midst. Hope you see that in your midst doesn't mean in the church. It means I'm with you. I'm encamped around about you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're a believer. You're the elect of God. I've chosen you. I've revealed myself to you. As I stand in your midst. My omnipotence is yours as I stand in your midst. I have not come to bring fear and failure. Think of those words. But love and courage and ability. All power is given unto me, and it is yours to use. You speak the word, and I will perform it. That is my covenant, and it can never fail. I'm amazed that you love me. Oh, I'm amazed how you care. You can join with me if you're at home. Through your precious blood, I've found pardon. And my sins are washed. They're all washed away. All my sins are directed me to this subject been pondering it for days and days and then waiting on you yesterday and today just seemed like I couldn't get away from it 
even if it were for one person, maybe one sister that's that's uh, frail in her faith. Lord, may you you show her even now. You have not come to bring fear and failure, but love and courage and ability. Lord, it might be some family that's struggling through family issues. It might be someone that's got a job issue that maybe with the current environment, they're not sure where the next uh, uh, meal or the next month's rent is going to come from. But Lord, you said, don't fear. Lord, you're in the midst of us. Lord, though no matter what happens to us, we will not fear. Lord, you are our refuge. You're still Jehovah Jireh. You're still a great provider. You're still Jehovah Rapha. You're still the healer of all of our sicknesses and diseases. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. All of those names are still in effect. They can never fail, oh God. You're here to meet the need of each and every one of your children. Lord, we want to commit each one's request to you. Somebody even now might be holding their heart before you. Lord, may you come to them even now. Lord, if there's somebody, Lord, that's struggling with the enemy, Lord, may you rebuke the enemy. Lord, may you just rebuke him and send him back from whence he came. And may the atmosphere of divine love descend upon each and every son and daughter of God. And bring them into their position that they're ordained to be in. Lord, we give each one to you. We give this service to you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we're always amazed how you love us and have provided for everything that we have need of. We give ourselves to you. We ask your blessing upon the word. As simple as it was, may it be a peace. May it be a strength to your children. Your word truly is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. We give ourselves to you, Lord, as we ask your blessing now upon it, upon the evening in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. It's been wonderful to be with you. Thank you for allowing us into your homes. And uh, the next service from Cloverdale here will be a Sunday at 11 o'clock. God bless you. God be with you. If the rapture, the catching away takes place before then, I hope we'll see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.